with us today. Maybe you're worshiping in a couple of different ways. There's a, there's a number of ways to worship with the gathering church right now. You, you could be uh, in one of our gather homes and just a big welcome to everybody worshiping in a gather home right now. We're so excited to have you in community. Last week, for our very first week of gather homes, over 100 people gathered all, all around our city together in, in, in these environments where you get to experience a, a tiny campus of the gathering church and, and come into a, a welcoming, warm environment where people have been expecting you, where they've been waiting for you anxiously to come through the doors and give you a nice cup of coffee and some breakfast and, and, and be able to visit with one another and then, and then worship together. Goodness gracious, how we need to worship together. I'll tell you what, um, I, I have, uh, th- these last few months have missed above all other things. Uh, you know, I, I have, uh, Matt Dunn is our incredible um, video uh, expert with the Gathering Church and, and AV Live. And uh, Matt Dunn and I have been putting these messages together for four months now. Um, this is number 17, Matt. And, uh, and Matt is a great audience, but goodness gracious, as a preacher, I needed some people to preach to. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. But I, I think the thing that I've missed the most in this season has been able to hear the voices of God's people united in worship together in the place that I am. That, 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 that is what my spirit needs. It's what my heart needs. And so I have been so blessed uh, last Sunday to be able to worship in my home. Uh, my kids love to be in a part of G Kids last Sunday. I got to lead G Kids last Sunday. That was my role on the dream team. And I got to take them and I marched them around single file. And we did the activities and we, we worshiped and we, we watched Ollie and we had such a good time. And so if you're in a gather home, I hope that you have as good of an experience as I've been having in that. Or maybe today, you know, with, with all the concerns of the pandemic are still happening and and uh, maybe you're still you're still doing everything you can to stay safe and you're watching with us online this morning and worshiping with us online we're just honored to have you with us as well we're so glad that you're a part of it you are a part of this church today and you are a part of our family in worship and so uh, we welcome you and we want you to feel at home with us as well and and then finally maybe you're one of our people who are here at our live recording on a Thursday and uh, our, our live studio audience recorded in front of a live studio audience and we're so happy to have you with us if you'd like to be a part of the live studio audience you can be all you have to do is fill out a connect card uh, go fill out our digital connect card say you'd like to go to one of the Thursday recordings and we'll give you all the information you need to be a part of this as well. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad you're here. We believe that God has put in front of us a simple spiritual pathway to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And as a church family, we're all on different parts of this journey, helping one another as we move through it. That's who we are. Well, today we're going to continue the discussion that we opened up last week. Last week, I spoke a very specific message about racism and how we as the church should respond to this moment in history. And today, I want to carry on that idea a little bit and expand on how we, as followers of Jesus, should love one another. Today's message is titled, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And it's all about loving 
our neighbor. As a pastor, I've spoken about loving our neighbors many, many times. In fact, a pastor really spends most of his life teaching on about four different things. And one of those things that, that, that gets taught about a lot is how we love people the way Jesus loved people. And I've talked about loving our neighbors many times, but I still think that it's easy for us, for even me, to compartmentalize that idea or to nod and agree with how important it is to love our neighbors, but then there's so much in our hearts that never actually changes. In our hearts, we still have a hard time when it comes to loving people who don't think like us. Or in our hearts, we have a hard time loving people who don't sound like us. Or in our hearts, we have a hard time loving people who don't look like us. And I think that's become really evident in the last couple of weeks. But in in this moment, for the first time in my lifetime, I can see and hear many, many people who are taking a step back to be able to see that. Maybe I haven't been as good at loving people who don't think like me, sound like me, look like me as I thought I was. Maybe I'm able for the first time to see some of my blind spots. Maybe that's been going on in your heart and with you. And so, Today, I want to revisit some things that Jesus said about how we should love one another. Our message title comes from a verse I shared last week, uh, but here it is again. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 29. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But, verse 29, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Honestly, this guy is really relatable. As far as people in Scripture goes, he gets a bad rap for asking that question, but he's pretty relatable because I think a lot of us wonder throughout our lives, not just when it comes to big things, but also to little things, what is the very minimum I can do to get the maximum results? If I'm going to do a workout, I, I recently I got, I got an ad for free uh, three months of the Beach Body. On demand. This is uh, obviously something that they targeted at me. They're like, this guy needs a beach body. Let's try to help him out. And, 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 and there was different workouts on there. And I noticed there's one, the P90X. My dad does it. I've been hearing about the P90X for decades now. And I thought, I'm going to go after the P90X. And I thought, wait a minute, this thing is over an hour long. I don't, I don't have, I don't know if I can commit to a full hour of exercise in a day. And then I noticed there is a P90X that is only a 30-minute version. And I thought, no doubt about it, I want the P90X 30-minute version, maximum results, minimum output. This is going to be perfect. It was too difficult to me. If I, if I would have been able to do a 10-minute version, I might have stuck with it. But here's, here's the point. I think oftentimes we're doing our best to figure out what we can put the minimum in to get the maximum reward. And I think so many of us choose to follow Jesus because like this man, we want the benefits, but we don't fully understand the sacrifice. And we don't fully understand the change it will require in our hearts. Or we don't understand the kind of love that Jesus is actually calling us to. In the book of John, it tells a story about Jesus 
washing the feet of his disciples before the Last Supper to show them what it looks like to love people well. And I'm thinking that it was about that moment that the Apostle John was thinking of later in life when he wrote this verse in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. It says, little children, it says, little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Because it's one thing to tell Judas that you love him right before you wash his feet. Uh, or it's one thing to tell Judas that you love him right before he betrays you. But it is a whole other thing entirely to wash his feet. So Jesus does this object lesson and then he says this, John 13, 34, A new command I give you, that you love one another. Just the way that I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus took a very old command, going back to Deuteronomy, and made it new by demonstrating what it looks like in action. Washing the feet of the person who hates you. As I have loved you, you should love one another. See, this is different than me saying I love you because I don't hate you. This kind of love requires actual heart change. It requires me to find freedom from prejudices, bitterness, and walls that I have up between me and other people. The difference between I love you and I don't hate you is my willingness to serve you. I think we struggle with this aspect of Christianity because we just want it to be easier. We want different things. We, we want it to be convenient. We want a love that is convenient. It is pretty convenient for me to love people who agree with me or who I agree with. Or it is convenient for me to love people who I am already in some kind of relationship with. It's easier for me to forgive people that I'm going to have to be around all the time. It's different when I'm called to love people who are outside of my circles of influence. It's convenient to love people by simply saying I love them. Well, Jesus says to love my enemies. Sure, I love my enemies. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. Or to love them by not outwardly opposing them or oppressing them. The story of the Good Samaritan that we opened with is a good example of what this really means. The man in the story asked, in order to justify himself, who is my neighbor? So he wasn't necessarily trying to justify his hatred. Maybe he was just trying to justify his inaction. Or he was trying to justify his complacency. Or he was trying to justify his unwillingness to reach out in a way that is visible. But love is an action. And actions can be inconvenient. I want to look at what this Samaritan did to love the wounded man in the story Jesus used to answer the question, who is my neighbor? So the man says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus starts telling this story of a man who's mugged and left for dead on the side of the road. And two religious people walk by and they just ignore him. They, one guy moves to the other side of the road so we won't have to get too close to what is uncomfortable for him. They just keep on going. And then a Samaritan, a member of a race that the Jews hated, saw this man on the road bleeding. And it says in verse 34, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and poured on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you have. 
Here's what I notice. The way that the Samaritan communicated love to the man who was hurting wasn't by simply saying, I'm sorry that you're hurting. He he didn't just look at him and say, I see that you're bleeding and I'm sorry that you're bleeding. But hey, I love you though. Because the love that Jesus calls us to isn't just a verbal love. It isn't just a love of intention. It is a love of action. And so this man, he began to take action. Because Jesus calls us to love the way that he loved. He washed feet. He healed the sick. Jesus gave his life for the people that he loved. And he says, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And so this Samaritan man, that's what he did. He, became, he allowed himself to enter a place that was inconvenient in order to love this man well. Wherever he was going that day on that road, he didn't get there on time. He was late. Whatever his plans were, he had to change them and cancel them in order to love this man well. It cost him money. He had to go put this guy up in a hotel room and pay for it and paid for him. And then he didn't just do all those things and and get the guy comfortable and situated and leave and just never come back and think, wow, I really did my good deed for the day. I am really the good Samaritan of this scenario. Instead, he came back the next day. So let me check in on you. Let me make sure everything's okay. See, we're in this cultural moment right now where a lot of us are for the first time saying, I see that you're bleeding. What do I do? And I just believe that the way that Jesus has called us to love, it is more than just a sight. It's more than verbal, that it's action. And it's not enough to think about it on one day or think about it once and then move on and never come back and think I did my good deed. I did what I had to do and now I can keep living my life. I think the love of Jesus is different. So I think the love of Jesus keeps checking in. Says what 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 what's today like? That was good. Yesterday we got you into a better place. What about today? What do we need to do? As we sit in this cultural moment where many of us are realizing how poorly we've loved our neighbors, let me encourage you to make some changes that are more than temporary and more than verbal. Let me encourage you to begin to love in a way that is inconvenient for you. Because love is an action, and it is very rarely convenient. I think we also want love that doesn't cost us anything. This is in the same vein. We, we don't want to go out of our way and we don't want to get uncomfortable because we don't want it to cost us. Jesus addressed this as well. In a conversation similar to the one Jesus had with the man who asked, who is my neighbor? In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is talking to a man who wants to know what is the minimum that I can do to get into heaven. And Jesus answers by quoting the Ten Commandments and says, keep these commandments, you'll be all right, mate. You know, you'll be fine, dude. And the guy's like, bingo, I've done it since I was a kid. I'm the greatest commandment keeper you've ever met. And, and I don't know about that, but the guy said he was. And then Mark 21, 10, 21 says this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Can I talk about that for a minute? Jesus is about to correct this guy. He's about to disagree with this guy. He's about to talk to this guy and say, you're wrong, and I want to tell you why. But I love that it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because we live in a culture where, where we're beginning to believe that we can't disagree with someone and love them at the same time. We live in a culture where we believe that if, if I, I can't love you and also correct you. That if you're correcting me, if you're disagreeing with me, if you're coming up against what I believe is right and true, you don't love me, you hate me, you're my enemy, let's fight. I don't like you, let's do this thing. But it says right here, this, this, is, this is who Jesus is. 
He disagrees with this guy's mentality. He knows that this guy's got something he's not willing to let go of yet. But it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. So this young man walks away sad because he has great wealth. He wanted to love the way Jesus was asking him to, but he wanted to do it in a way that didn't cost him anything. We're the same way. We want to follow Jesus, but we don't want to disrupt our lives to do it. Our money is a great example because oftentimes our money is the thing that we hold on to most tightly. We don't want it to literally cost us anything. I see that guy on the side of the road. He's down on his luck. I've got a granola bar on the floorboard over here. I'm going to give him that. I don't want to, I don't want to actually have this cost me anything. And then it gets bigger than that. Because it's hard for us to release our comfort. It's hard for us to release the thing that we believe is ours, that we worked for, that that shouldn't be taken from us. We don't like it when love costs us something. We don't want to get uncomfortable. But to actually show love to someone the way that Jesus did, it, it always costs us something. Because love requires sacrifice. Jesus said, "As as I have loved you, So you should love one another. And this was just a couple days before Jesus would go and walk that road to Calvary and be on that cross for your and my sins. Love requires sacrifice. Maybe you've always loved people well in a way that didn't cost you anything. And in this season that we're going through, it's opened your eyes to all the ways you can show love that would require you to get uncomfortable. And now you get to decide, will you respond like this man in the story? Or will you respond by leaving what you have to follow Jesus? And we often talk about how it doesn't cost us anything to enter into a relationship with Jesus. I talk about how easy it is to take that first step to know God. That that Jesus did the work on the cross so you don't have to do work. That you can enter into a relationship with God exactly as you are. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to get it right. You can walk into that relationship today without doing a single thing other than saying, I choose you. And that's very true. That is exactly what it means to follow Jesus. However, when you choose to follow Jesus... When you make that decision, there is a cost. The cost doesn't come before, it comes after. James, the brother of Jesus, helped us understand that what happens next after that moment of decision matters. He said, faith without works is dead. See, works are not required for salvation, but they are always a result of it. In other words, you can know God exactly as you are, but then you need to move forward to follow Jesus. That means the next thing you've got to do is find freedom. You've got to find freedom from all the things in your life that are holding you back, like the subtle racism that has informed the way you see the world. It's got to go. The, the addictions that you keep going back to in stressful seasons like the one we're in right now, those things have got to go. You've got to find freedom. The, the, the sins, big and small, that you keep returning to, they've got to go. You need to stop too. You need to move forward. You need to find freedom. And then you need to discover your purpose. And this is where the sacrifice gets serious. Because you were created with a purpose. 
And we talk about purpose a lot. And I think a lot of us, we do get this romanticized idea of our purpose in our heads. It's like, my purpose is going to be great. My purpose equals platform. My purpose equals, pur- my purpose equals riches. My purpose is going to mean one day I'm going to have that house with the, the boat and the driveway and, the, and all the things and the stuff and a horse in the backyard. And I don't know what your dreams are. Those aren't necessarily mine. <laughs> I don't want a horse. They seem like a lot of work. But either way, either way. Either way, we often think that our purpose is something that's going to glorify us. But I'm telling you that you were created with a purpose, a purpose that will satisfy you, a purpose you were made for, a purpose that only you can do. And that purpose is to glorify God and serve people. And when you do those things, you'll find the reason you were placed on this earth. But when you do those things, it will cost you. If you're going to follow Jesus... You're going to have to learn to love people the way that Jesus loved people. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, by the way you love one another. It's not our steeples that signal to people that we follow Jesus. It's not our music or our haircuts. It's not our Facebook profiles. It's not type of amen in the comments and forward this. It's not these things. It's the way we love one another. Jesus calls us to love in a way that is an action and to love in a way that is sacrificial and to love in a way that says it doesn't matter how you treat me, I'm going to choose to love you. He calls us to love in a way that is radical. And so if you're uh, here and, and you're ready to start following Jesus like that, I'll give you a couple action steps. Here's what you can do today. First, pray in love. Because it always starts in prayer. I have a, a slogan that's a, that, that I picked up from, from our organization, the ARC, and it's, I think about it all the time, and it informs me, and it should inform you, and it's this. Pray first. Pray first. Whatever the decision you're making, pray first. Whatever the hardship you're going through, pray first. Whatever the joy you face, pray first. Pray first. If you want to learn how to love well, pray in love. I think somewhere along the way we thought that the very least we could do for someone is to say, I'll pray for you. We think that because sometimes it's less an action that we're going to do and a phrase that we use to feel Christian in how we interact with one another. But when we really do pray, it has the power to change everything. Prayer can change our circumstances. Prayer can change our hearts. And so if you really want to start to love like Jesus, learn to first Pray in love. Maybe for the first time, you're realizing that you have not been great at loving people or that you've been great at loving people who look like you, but you've not been very good at loving people who are different than you. Maybe they look different or they act different. Maybe they're people who vote different and you've not been very good at loving them. And as a follower of Jesus, we are called to pray without discrimination. And it's hard. It's hard when you have prejudice in your heart to begin to pray for the people you've been prejudiced towards. But you need to. Because the ending of prejudice and the ending of discrimination and the ending of racism and the ending of all these things that are tearing us apart inside and as a society is heart change. And I do not think heart change is possible without the power of prayer. I think it's where it always starts. If you've been wrestling with how to move forward in this season, I'm just telling you this is the first step. Pray, 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 pray for the ones who hurt you. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for the people 
who have hurt you. Pray for the people who you have been hurting, who you start to break down the beliefs and the walls and the anger in your heart and begin to pray in love. That's what it looks like to love like Jesus. I heard someone say this past week that there would always be racism because there would always be people who couldn't change. I don't believe that. I believe prayer and the Holy Spirit can change any heart. So pray for that person in your life who you think is incapable of change and see what God can do. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons of warfare, of our warfare, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to demolish strongholds. It is impossible for this world and what is available to the people of this world to break down the strongholds of hatred that are driving us apart. It is not impossible for the people of God because as the people of God, we have a power inside of us that is bigger than the power that is in this world, than the power that has separated our people for too long, than the power that has brought oppression and hatred and anger into this country for too long. There is a power inside of us that can destroy it. We just got to start in prayer. Second, listen in love. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to listen. Because Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Here's the reality. Maybe you don't have a, a real smart opinion or idea right now. This is probably just a great time for us to keep our mouths shut and to start to listen to start to listen to one another, to hear somebody. Some of us need um, to at last start acting like we are wise. This is a time to listen. It's a time to show people we love them by listening to them. I'm a distracted person. I'm a very distracted person. I'm always thinking about other things. I'm thinking about other things all the time. I have a really hard time not thinking about a whole bunch of other things and in a conversation that you have with me, I'm thinking about a lot of things. I'm thinking about church things, a lot of church things. I'm thinking about the future of the church. I'm planning 15 years from now an idea that I had that we could probably do then. I'm, I'm thinking about something that I want to talk to Robert about and how to present it in a way that doesn't overwhelm him immediately. I'm, think, I'm thinking about stuff. I'm thinking about what people would say in our church if they actually said what was going on in their hearts to me. I'm thinking about how to help specific people. I'm thinking about uh, strategies and plans. I'm thinking about the Rona and how I can defeat it. I'm thinking about fly fishing a lot lately. I don't know anything about I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about what are, what are these guys doing? Well, how hard is it to tie one of those little flies? You know how small they are? How good is your eyesight to do that thing? They make these little hooks look like bugs. I'm thinking about that a lot. I'm thinking about different rivers and streams. I think about different cars all the time. I'm thinking about what, what it looks like inside of an engine. The other day I was sitting at breakfast and my family was trying to talk to me. I was imagining the inside of an engine and I was like, wow, somebody made that. That's amazing. Somebody came up with all these little parts. The other day I was sitting at breakfast, this week I was sitting at breakfast with my family and my kids were out in the driveway. Uh, they wanted to eat breakfast in the driveway, which if you got kids, you're like, heck yeah, get out of here. And so me and my wife are at breakfast, just the two of us, nice quiet breakfast, first time in forever we've been able to do this. And I did not, I'm just, I'm, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about the ocean. I was like, man, the ocean's big, you know? <laughs> in my head. I asked Alexa to start playing Jimmy Buffett, and I was like, man, it'd be great to be staring at the ocean right now. You know, it's kind of rainy this morning, but what if I was on the ocean? You know, you can just drive around the clouds when you're on the ocean. And, and that's where I was thinking, 
And Riel goes, John Mark, where are you right now? And I was like, I'm on the ocean. And so here's, here's my point. I'm very distracted. And the way that I can show the people I love that I value them more than anything else is when I give them my eye contact and my full attention and I begin to listen to them. When I listen to my two-year-old daughter, she knows I love her. When I listen to my five-year-old talk about astronaut stuff, she knows I love her. And when I actually take time to put the ocean and the fly fishing and the church and engines away and listen to my amazing wife, she knows I love her. It communicates love to her. And that's not just a, a principle that applies in your family. People aren't used to being listened to anymore because we live in a really distracted culture. And when you listen to what someone is feeling, and you, you, you put your feelings aside for a minute, and you listen to what they're saying and what they're feeling, you are communicating value to them. You're communicating love to them. You're communicating to them that what they're saying matters to you. It's time for us to listen in love. It's time for us to listen. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. So I think what's happening a lot right now is not just that we're not listening because we're not listening, but that we're not listening because we want to get heard. And we want to get heard before we take any time to listen. And I just think that we can really show people what it looks like to love like Jesus better. If instead of expressing our opinion, we just listen, just get quiet and listen and listen and listen and show people that we love them. And once you've listened to them, it's time to act in love. It's time to act in love. 1 John 4.21, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It is not a choice. It's not a, I love God, but I don't have to love everybody that God loves. Sometimes as Christians, we're very good at loving God, and we worship Him, and we do Christian things like tithing and going to church and, and buying khaki pants, but we still miss the biggest part of following Jesus, loving the way that He loved. See, to love like Jesus means it's not always easy or convenient. It means it costs us something. It's expensive to love like Jesus. It's costly to love like Jesus. There's these stories in the Bible about Jesus loving people in moments where he just didn't have anything left inside of him. His cousin John the Baptist had been killed and the news reached him and he's exhausted. He's tired. He's been doing ministry to thousands of people all day long. He's so tired. And he tries to get away. He tells the disciples, I need to be alone. And he goes and he finds a quiet hillside and he sits on that hillside to mourn. And the people show up. And Jesus has compassion on them, the Bible says. He saw the crowds and he had great compassion for them. And he began to love them. He stood up and taught them. He spoke words of truth to them. And then he fed them a meal, a miracle meal for all the people there. There's a story where Jesus has been doing ministry in the town of Jericho, and he's, he's tired. He's been doing ministry all day, and he's just been healing people here and healing people there. And he's exhausted, and he's like, disciples, form up. Make a circle. Get me out of this crowd. Get me out of here. Get me the heck out of here. And he's walking through this crowd, and the disciples are all around him, and there's people all around trying to touch him. And there's this guy who nobody has ever listened to over there named Bartimaeus, and he's blind. And he hears the crowd and the commotion, and he says, Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, can you hear me? And Jesus says, hold on, hold on, uh, everybody stop. He gets through the crowd and walks over to the man and says, what do you want for me to do for you? See, this is what love looks like. Love costs us something. Love is inconvenient. Love is an action. Love is about doing more than just saying I love you. It's more than just about saying, well, you know what? I'm not going to outwardly hate you anymore. So that's me loving you. No, love is saying what, 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 what? I'm tired. Yeah, it's been a crazy week. But listen, what? What do you want me to do for you? I want to show you how much I value you right now. I want to show you that I love you, right? It's time to act in love. We need to act in love. Love is not proven in the words we speak but in the actions we take if I express my love to my wife in words but never show her through my actions our marriage will fall apart because words are not enough as you go today let me encourage you to find a way this week to act in love make it practical Write down a list of names of people or or of groups of people in your community that can use your actions that you can use your actions to show them that you love them. There's protests happening downtown still. Why don't you go and listen? Or go and serve the people there. Find someone who is not like you and find out how you can serve them. And as you listen in love, listen for how people are asking you to show them love. They will almost always say it. And then do it. As a church, we're keeping this moment moving forward by listening in love and learning how to act in love. We're going to listen more. We're doing another interview for our upcoming first Wednesday in July, July 1st, with another member of our community about eliminating racism and the changes we need to make. We're partnering with organizations who are working hard to heal our city and serve the underserved communities in our city. We're shifting our outreach funds to meet our city in its time of need. Join us in this. We are going to be showing you volunteer opportunities soon. Volunteer with us. When you give, we invest it back into our community. Give with us. Act in love. Your neighbors are just as confused and hurting as you are in this difficult year. Show them that you love them by inviting them over for a gather home or inviting them over to feed them a meal and and get to know them and offer them hope. Search for needs that exist inside your gather home and meet them. There are just so many different ways that we can act in love and we need all of them right now more than ever. If you're here with us today and, and, and you have never entered into this relationship with Jesus, you know, you haven't done it yet. And you, you can see all this pain that's happening around you and you're ready for something different. Jesus is something different. The hole that you have inside of your heart is one that only he can fill. And loving in this radical way that he calls us to love is the only way you'll find the satisfaction you've been searching for your whole life. And so, every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you pray this prayer with me today? If you're ready to enter into a relationship with Jesus, Lord, uh, forgive me for all of my sins. Forgive me for every mistake I've made. Forgive me for the ways that I've tried to do it on my own. I surrender it all to you and I surrender myself to you. Come into my life today. Change me. Transform me. Make me new. I am yours from this moment on in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.